Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. I know a lot of people were excited to hear what Tyler had to say. He's the only one that's not here. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll call him at some point. I don't know. But uh, Pete's here. Pat's here. Jake's here. <laughs> we're in a, a hotel room in New York City. And uh, <laughs> what, Pat? What's the matter? What? You're just fucking with me. What do you mean? You told me you're in Mississippi pre-show. I know. I lied. I lied. I said, you're just fucking with me. That's what I meant. No, I just lied about it. When did you lie? Like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. You're just fucking with me. It was just a, it was just a prank between buds. Wow. What a prank. <laughs> did I get you good? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm over here telling everyone. You know, people have to text back and say, no, "Guys, Jared's not in Mississippi." I'm not in Mississippi. What a fucking hooligan he is! Yeah, that was a that was a that was a wild, wacky bit I just did. <laughs> oh man, you little <laughs> rascal, you! <laughs> oh, I hate this team. Oh God, what a terrible team! This is. Uh, this is, I mean, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a fun episode. That's not a really great sell to the people that are just tuning in, you know, first couple of minutes here. Um, I, it, it's going to be fun. Me and me and Pat are here. And it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be fun. It would not be fun <laughs> if Tyler were here. Not, no disrespect to Tyler, but Tyler, <laughs> yeah. Tyler feels it. Tyler feels yeah. it when this team is, is not doing well. I know you feel it I too. too. I know you feel it too, but like. I think that you can tur- you can turn it into like 
you can turn your pain into like some goofy laughs here and there. Yeah. Like Tyler, yeah. Tyler only feels the pain. <laughs> yeah. He only feels the pain. Yeah. Like probably, I bet Tyler he, he hasn't did... smiled in like three months. No. He did say, uh, he said it's, it's his girlfriend's birthday. I think they were going to encore tonight. So he was like, I'm not going to miss an episode the rest of the way. I was like, I don't think it matters. <laughs> At this juncture, I don't think that it matters who's here, what we talk about. Uh, this team, this I, I'm not going to say cancel the season because there's still I think coming into today, I saw like Fangraphs have the Red Sox playoff chances at like 20 something percent. That's fucking outrageous. This team is not making the playoffs. They are. They're an abomination. You just lost three out of four games to the fucking Kansas City Royals. They're not even a real baseball team. I think it says more about like the problem with the this playoff structure than it says about like the quality of this team. Like if a yeah. team like the Red Sox is in contention to make the playoffs and has like a pretty significant chance of making the playoffs, even if it's like a quarter, uh, a quarter percent chance, that's too mm-hmm. high. And you are letting too many teams into the playoffs. Agreed. In the National League, it's it's not that bad because I think the team on the fringe right now is the Brewers, and they were just in first place like last week. So in the National League, it's like, you know, you get the Phillies, you get the Brewers, and then the Cardinals are like flip-flopping with the Brewers in first place in the Central, but they've just won seven straight after sweeping the New York Yankees in St. Louis. Um, in the National League, it's like you're going to get every team that makes it is going to be somewhat of a quality baseball team. Uh, in the American League, I don't know. I mean, the teams that are in, like the teams that are in should should be in, but the teams that are on the fringe are not playoff caliber baseball teams. Like you've got like the Guardians, the Red Sox, uh, the Orioles. No disrespect to the Orioles. I mean, they've been a great story, but should they make the fucking playoffs? No. But like those are the fringe teams in the American League. So, yeah, I... I'll I'll never 100% truly give up on the Red Sox. Like 2020, like that season was a fucking joke. Like obviously I gave up on the Red Sox like from like the second week of the season. We knew that that like once they start like that team literally and I say this all the time, they literally called dudes who hadn't pitched in the big leagues in like 10 years and were like, hey, do you want to come pitch for the Red Sox? And they were like, fuck yeah. That's what type of team that was. This team, I mean, people, people will, by the way, Anyone that comes at me on Twitter for like, oh, you don't hold anyone accountable and you'll never say anything bad. It's like, I save that shit for the podcast. Like, I, I'm not going to like, what do I get out of like bashing dudes on Twitter or whatever? Like nothing. But we can talk about it here on the on the actual show about the Red Sox. And I, I, I guess that's kind of where I want to start. Like, I don't think that it does us any good to like break down game by game, inning by inning, pitch by pitch, the fucking Red Sox losing three out of four against the Kansas City Royals. I guess like right now I, where we would start is how the fuck did we end up in this situation? Like going 20 and six in June was just an aberration. The rest of the season and I tweeted the stat, I don't know, two weeks ago. And you know, there, there are some and I'm assuming that they're younger. Like happy-go-lucky Red Sox fans. When I tweeted, like the Red Sox are twenty and six uh, in June, and then in the, the three months outside of that, they've got like a four hundred winning percent. I think they had like the the third or fourth worst winning percentage in Major League Baseball if you take June out. And then people were like, "Oh yeah, if you take out the wins, they have losses." I'm like, "No, no, no, no." I took out one month of play, 
And there are still three plus months of play outside of that. April, May, July, and now we were a week into August. And the Red Sox outside of June have, at the time, the fourth worst winning percentage in baseball. So at that point, it's not unfair to be like, yeah, I, you know, this team's not very good. Like, this is not a good baseball team. And you could, it's not one, people want to blame Heim Bloom. There's a lot of Heim Bloom haters out there. Oh, you won't say anything about Heim Bloom. And why don't you turn your back on your boy? Like, yes, Heim Bloom is very much responsible for a lot of this. But there's players on this team that haven't done shit. Like, there are players that you could look at and be like, you haven't done your job. You haven't done your job. Other guys that are on the team got put in impossible spots. Like Jackie Bradley Jr. got designated for assignment and then released. It's like, yeah, he was supposed to be a fourth outfielder. Like you want to blame Jackie Bradley Jr. It's like he is what he is. He hasn't been able to hit in like three, four fucking years. He's an excellent defender. And clearly today in Kansas City, we saw what the team looks like when you don't have a good defensive center fielder. I mean, Jesus Christ, like Jaron Duran who, by the way, is like Mookie Betts came up as like a, a natural second baseman. And now you have him in center field. We'll talk about Jaron Duran in a little bit. Like that's probably yes, going to be its own goddamn segment. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you look around Heim Bloom's roster construction. You brought in. You, first of all, I want to say Hunter Renfro and uh, Hunter Renfro and Kyle Schwilber have combined for like over 60 home runs. You just like never got in. In addition to that, the two guys that you had last year that you don't have this year and Schwarber and Renfro combined for 60 plus home runs already. Uh, JD and, and Bogey, they haven't hit for power all year. Like, I hate to, I'm not calling out Xander, but it's like, it, it hurts when you have a guy that you can usually plug in for like 25 plus homers. JD used to be a, a, a between 35 and 40 home run guy. And now I, I'm pretty sure it is, are, are they both in single digits for homers? Something like that. If they're not single digits, they're close. So the guys that are here haven't done their jobs. The guys that like a lot of the moves that Heim Bloom has made haven't worked out. And I saw Lumerloni made this point. Tyler was was echoing the sentiment on Twitter saying, all right, if this team sucks and you're not going to contend this year, which I think we can all throw our hands up and say, like, this is not a World Series contender or a playoff contender. Never mind the World Series then why didn't you get under the luxury tax? Because if you get under the luxury tax, it's like you, you throw some qualifying offers out there and then you get compensation. Now you're getting uh, fourth round picks instead of second round picks. And then you have the situation with Mookie Betts where every single year that you go over the luxury tax, that tax percentage keeps going up and up and up and up to where you're going to have to get under it anyway so that you can... So you're not paying uh, $100 million for a $30 million player. So what was the point of not getting under the luxury tax this year? Like some of the decisions that this team has made, you just sit there and you're like, what the fuck? Like, we're just slapdick baseball fans. There's no way that we we know more than the people that are actually in charge. But some of the things that have had Blue Moon ad on TV right now, shout out to Blue Moon. We'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, Some of the decisions that this team has made, it just leaves you standing there saying, what the fuck is going on? And and I think one of my uh, close personal friends, Coley Mick, we're having this conversation and we were going over like there's... I don't want to say there's too many cooks in the kitchen, but like you've got you've got John Henry, you've got Tom Warner, and we all know that they have interjected in the past and made baseball decisions for this team. You've got Heim Bloom as the chief baseball op- uh, officer. You've got uh, Eddie Romero. You've got Raquel Ferreira. You've got uh, Boh. 
uh, that you've got Sam. Ken- there's there's so many people that are in positions of like they have three or four assistant general managers. And I just don't feel like we're all on the same page here. I don't. I don't. I, I it's crazy to me that a team like the Boston Red Sox with the financial flexibility that they have and the resources and just the the baseball minds that they have in the front office. Alex Cora, by the way, uh, that's another guy that in 2018, like he was he was someone that was kind of calling the shots. I don't know what's going on anymore. Like I think Alex Cora was one of the guys that was like, hey, get me Steve Pierce. And then Sugar Daddy Dave was like, if you want Steve Pierce, here he is. So you you've got a lot of people that are just in the mix as it pertains to making decisions on this team. And uh, I mean, they've got a losing record. They've got a losing record and they're over the luxury tax. And again, to Lou Merloni's point, you look at the teams that are over the luxury tax this year, they're all championship contenders. And then there's the Boston Red Sox. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. The, the 60 plus home runs between Schwarber and, uh, and Renfro is hilarious because you, you, you're like, those other guys are in single digits. I just looked at the roster. There's, one player or two players, two players on the active roster that have double digit home runs like that weren't just traded for at the deadline, like who have been here all year. Story has double digit, but he's on the I.L. And Dahlbeck just Dahlbeck the same week. Right. And Dahlbeck just got there like last week. So they've had they've got like one one guy who's consistently hit for power this entire season. Yeah, it's Rafi. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Like yeah. that's fucking insane. The Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates I mean, have more home runs as a team than the Red Sox do. That's eye opening. That's eye opening. And yeah, I mean, you sit here and you I mean, I'm a 162 guy, Jake's a 162 guy. Uh you guys you guys watch some games. Like it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to fucking sit here every night and watch this team like up until I want to say they lost on Thursday, right? Yeah. They went on Friday. They lost on Thursday. Uh, going into the game on Thursday, I was like, all right. If you can take three or four or even sweep this godforsaken Royals team, then there's a pulse. There's life. And it took me until about Saturday, more so today, like when Rafi hit that home run to make it five to one. Uh, for this team to break me, like like when Rafi hit the home run to make it five to one, uh, and then Fam hit the two run homer to make it five three. It takes a lot for me to feel nothing when the Red Sox hit a home run, and today I felt nothing. I am a broken man. I like I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but watching this Red Sox team this year has become a chore. And I said it to Jake earlier that, uh, what was it, Saturday night, I want to say? Yeah. Because there were some big matchups this weekend. You had Mets-Braves. That was a big showdown between uh, the Braves were chasing the Mets in the NL East. And then you had the Padres and Dodgers where the Padres just got Juan Soto. And it's like, all right, yeah, we may not be close in the standings, but we just fucking loaded the fuck up with Juan Soto and Josh Bell let, let's see about this shit now. Uh, neither series really, both series were one-sided. But on Saturday, I, I don't, 2020 might have been the only season ever 
since I've had like the multiple screens set up that I put the Red Sox on like another TV and like I put a different a different game on the big TV with the sound. And I'm kind of getting to that point in 2022 where there are other games going on while the Red Sox are playing that I'm much more interested in watching. I mean, I'm famously not a 162 guy, but like from uh, from my vantage point, the energy definitely has started to shift a little bit over the past week or so. And like observing the 162 people is is like almost as frustrating as I would assume being a 162 guy is because you like you and Tyler have consistently talked yourself into this team being like, okay, like if this happens, this team will have life. If this happens, like we'll get to the trade deadline. This team might have life. If this person comes back, we're going to have life. Like just kind of got to like hold on. And Mm -hmm. for me, like the entire way, and I've said it for months, it's just like this team is a definition of mediocre because they do give you that life. Like they do, provide the positives but they will immediately erase them immediately and (laughs) piss it away by playing like shit and like Mm -hmm. it's happened all year long with the exception of one month and like for a couple of months you guys talked about like like this is not the team that we saw in june like the team in june is like that's a really good baseball team and i kept saying like june is the outlier not mm-hmm. fucking July. Like everybody kept talking about like July and how bad it was. They're not going to play like that. Yeah, they may not play as bad as they as they played in July and like be historically bad. But this is not a good baseball team, and they have not been a good baseball team for most of the year. June is the outlier where they were a good baseball team. This is not a good baseball team, and yeah, they've had bad luck, but they've also pissed it away by not being a good baseball team when they they've pissed away games and like that's not bad luck that's being a bad baseball team <laughs> i want to say uh they've when uh what was that last night the walk-off homer garrett whitlock which just goes to show you like the, this team is just fucking cursed um garrett whitlock two outs two strikes gives up a walk-off homer to a dude that's not even hitting 200 uh I, the Red Sox have been walked off eight times this year, and no other team in baseball has been walked off more than six times. It's crazy. And and you can't even point to that and be like, well, Heim, like you didn't fucking get a closer. Like Garrett Whitlock's your best reliever by a long shot. And he was the one that gave up the, the walk-off homer to the fucking Kansas City Royals and a, a shitty hitter at that. And it's not like uh, a bunch of those those walk-offs came because of the bullpen either. Like early in the season, they were just throwing balls into the fucking stands and teams yeah. were walking it off. So like the, the pitching wasn't going to save you. Like maybe they put those those guys on base, but like you lost the game because you were fucking throwing the ball into the upper deck because you can't fucking field. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's 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 not fun to watch. It's not an enjoying so I, the other thing that I was thinking of earlier too was that in years past, like we've seen, we've seen last place Red Sox teams before. But I think back to 2014, and like, yeah, that team finished in last place. They sold off half the team at the deadline. But it's like Mookie Betts came up in September, and uh, Christian Vasquez, and you were starting to see like Xander Bogarts. This is his first full season with the Red Sox, even though they fucked that up too. They put him at third base when he's a shortstop. Thanks a lot, John Farrell. Uh, but there were like it's like all right we're we're looking towards the future like we're building something here you can see it like you can see the core and these guys just got to get their feet wet 
Uh, we just drafted Pat Light a couple of years ago. I can't wait to see him blowing fucking hundos at the big league level. This is going to be sick. Uh, this year, it's like you're in last place. Marcelo Meyer is three years away. Uh, Tristan Cassis would have been here by now, but you had the ankle injury in mid-May. I mean, he's been... I want to say he's got, what, like four or five straight games with a double. He had two doubles today. Bring him up. Like, do something. Like, give us something. Like, what the fuck are we watching on a nightly basis where we have to sit there and watch... It's it's insane. It's insane watching this fucking baseball team. And, like, in previous years, uh, like, shit was bad. But it wasn't like downright embarrassing, maybe with the exception of the Bobby Valentine year, like because that was just so chaotic. This is downright embarrassing. Like the Red Sox are like the laughing stock of Major League Baseball for the most part. And that's like there's shit that happens every sing, almost every single night where it's like making national highlight reels because the Red Sox are so embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. Pat, when obviously it was a small sample. Uh, when you came up in 2016, we we interviewed Eduardo Nunez after the Red Sox won in 2018 because he was in the clubhouse in 17 with John Farrell and then 18 with Cora. And he said that when he walked into the Red Sox clubhouse, they were in first place. And he was like, why does it feel like we're in last place? So like, how much for like this group, they're in last place. Like, how much of a difference does it make having a manager that can navigate how shitty it is right now versus like having a manager where it's like this fucking sucks even worse because of this guy? It's enormous. Um, the thing is with this team right now is the difference between like this team and when I played in 16. You know, like there was an obvious person you look to. When this shit was hitting the fan, and obviously it was Dustin Pedroia, it was David Ortiz. If you was a real, you want to go to the pitcher's world, you're looking at like a David Price, you're looking at Rick Porcello, guys like that. But like on this team, like you have, you don't really have any cohesive ability. You have guys falling apart out in center field and yelling at fans. Uh, you got, you got your your only consistent guy. And I don't want to put a lot on Xander and JD because if I'm a pitcher, and again, I, I you know, although I wasn't a successful pitcher because I wasn't able to execute. I'm still a smart enough guy to understand how to throw hitters. And like, uh, I look at this fucking lineup. Uh, Xander's not seeing anything fucking good. He's the, if, if Ravi's in the lineup, he's my biggest threat, obviously. But like, these, you know, my own, I have two threats, really. Jan Duran's not hitting the ball. Like, Vasquez just left the lineup. JD's been struggling this year. Like, uh, these guys, like, there's no one, I'm not concerned about this lineup at all right now as a pitcher. And coming into every, almost every year for the past couple of years, it's been like, all right, we might give up six runs, but we should probably score eight. Like mm-hmm. that's been our that's been our thing. Uh, having Alex in the, in this tug, honestly, I I would be scared to see what this what this record would be with a with a different type of manager in this clubhouse uh, because it would be it would be an abomination to baseball. Um, because and I've been positive, Jared. You've known that. Pete, Super yeah, positive I'm, guy. I've been a positive guy throughout the year, and and I still believe this team. I know Pete talked about how June was the aberration, and it is. I mean, there's no two other way about it right now. June was the outlier. Um, but what you saw in June, if you looked and watched the baseball team, fuck that they had a weak schedule, fuck all that stuff. The way they played the game was a team that enjoyed playing together. That they were they were coming together as a group. They're kind of figuring out, coming rallying around some some bad injuries, and we're getting ready to prepare for when Chris Sale 
uh, came back and some injuries may have come back. Then in July, we saw what the actual heart of this team was, is they got punched in the mouth and good fucking teams come back and this team hasn't. Like, and I keep going back to that Yankees, you know, I think it was um, like 16 or 17 straight no-hit innings. And the mm-hmm. second game of that no-hitter, that second no-hitter, they ended up winning. Like they got punched in the fucking mouth and they came back. And that's the making of a great team. This team, although they've played well in spurts, they're extraordinarily inconsistent. Um, and they get punched in the mouth and there's no fight. You know, there is no, it's we're fighting fans. You know, we're doing things that are <laughs> yeah. just it, like, it's outrageous what I'm seeing on this baseball field against yeah. a bad Royals team. Like, it's just as positive as I was when I was out in Ocean City and try to be the guy, you know, the voice of not reason, but some positivity for this fan base. Patty Good Vibes. Patty Good Vibes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be Patty Good, Patty vibes. good vibes. And I got, mm-hmm. we got some pieces on this team, but this is, again, this is kind of what Tyler says. And I wish Tyler was here for this, but, you know, I'll give him credit and kind of what you spoke to, Jared, about Lou on your 15 minute rant to start this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lou, uh, you're, you have, you have the ability to be the Boston Red Sox and add pieces. This team's inconsistent because we have missing pieces. That's why we're inconsistent. So you can go add pieces and make this team better and make them more consistent. Or you could get rid of the few pieces that you have and try to rebuild for the future. Doing the middle ground shit is not usually a very good idea. Um, although I, I can kind of get it from a business standpoint, you make a ton more money in the playoffs. They're not really going to push that hard for it, but you know, John Henry, I'm sure, loved a little extra cash in his pocket for making the playoffs. Um, so I can understand probably business aspect why they kind of just did this on the low end and didn't really give a fuck about the year. Just hope they sneak in. Uh, but it just, it, it, we were not set up for the future right now. Where, like you said, you know, regardless of how how unbelievably everyone was, how unbelievably excited everyone was for me when, in 2014 about Pat's possibly coming right. next year. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of me, you had guys that were kind of in my shadow with Mookie and Yovaski know, and a lot of these guys that were trying to trend up, but they were trying to get out of my shadow. So I let them go first. Right. Um, but we, I don't know, like, I'm not a minor league guy, but like I sit here and I, t- I have two 162 guys on my podcast and I don't, I don't hear anything that you guys are super excited about. Like I know no. Coley was a big minor league guy. Is, is he talking about anyone that's, that we should be like thrilled that's coming up through this system? Yeah. It's Rafaela. Uh, he's got five, five names and I only know one of them, but, uh, he's, he's, I don't know. It's not like someone that's like, ah, man, blue chip. Pro-. I mean, obviously people are excited about Tristan Cassis, but, uh, you know, it's, if he comes up, like that's going to be the reason to watch the, the Red Sox are just going to be fucking dragging ass to the finish line. But it's like, well, tune in, you got Tristan Cassis. Um, but there is one point that I want to make about the future here. Uh, but first. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any game and get $100 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. At DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be able to bet on your favorite batter to hit a double in his next plate appearance, your favorite pitcher's next pitch to be a strike, and so much more. That would have been fun to bet on uh, Jacob DeGrom today. How many fucking swings and misses? You have like 25 swings and misses today. That would have been nice to do, do a little live bet. We can do that. We're in, we're in a gambling state right now. Jake. Yeah, we should, we should do some gambling. Let's do some fucking gambling, dude. Let's do it tomorrow. We'll be at the Mets game. 
Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $100 in free bets instantly. That is promo code Jared. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> the whole thing about looking to, to the future here and not to get all like bleak and uh, dark uh, on the on the subject of the Red Sox, but uh, this is going to be a motherfucker of a winner. It's going to be it's going to be one or the other. It's you know, you're either going to uh, pay Bogarts or, or, or you have more shit on the horizon like this season has been a tough pill to swallow. And then if you have this this winter coming up, Bogey could walk, JD could walk, Nate could walk. And if those guys walk, it's like, all right, well, you were over the luxury tax. So it's like, cool, you get like some fourth round picks. Sweet. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, baby. Yeah. It's, and, and obviously the, the Devers situation, if you don't pay him this winter, now that lingers into next year. And, you know, Heimblum's a smart guy. Maybe he can make some moves here that uh, make the Red Sox at least competitive next year. But it, this seems like a lot of holes to to fix in one offseason, especially when the best players on your team are I mean, you've either traded them already or they're not under contract for next season. And that's a lot of guys to bring back. And And by the way, they're already here now and you still suck. So you need those guys plus other guys that are also good. So it just seems like a tall task for me. It does. Uh, but the thing that I will say, as much as I've criticized this, uh, this ownership group and this like leadership group, is that uh, they don't particularly seem to love sucking shit two seasons in a row. Uh, mm. They will like very aggressively course correct if they mm-hmm. can. And I don't know if that's going to be available in front of him. And I don't know if Haim is going to be uh, like Mr. Aggressive because we really haven't seen him be that since mm-hmm. getting here. But I I'm willing to bet that there's going to be more pressure. Because of how shitty this season has been. Yeah, I I hate to be this guy. But I'm kind of this guy. And and let me let me let me pull this up right now just so that I get it all correct here. Um, when you talk about course correcting, I think the biggest example of that was, um, you know, 2014, 2015, right. the Red Sox were in last place. Uh, 2017, they went out and traded for Chris Sale. Uh, 2016 is when they signed David Price going into that season. And then they signed JD before 2018. Boom, World Series champs. Things things have like before you you were like the force you were the first born child so you got a lot of love and attention and now it's like John Henry's got um, 
Liverpool, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Roush Fenway Racing, FSG Real Estate, Fenway Sports Management. Like you got LeBron in the mix here. Like there's there's a lot more kids to pay attention to now. Where of course the Red Sox are out of, out of you know his portfolio. You're still talking about you know one of the the prize children of, of of the mix of the litter. So I'm not saying that John Henry doesn't care about the Red Sox anymore, but I mean Liverpool is one of the biggest sports franchises in the world. The Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, they're they're notable. Can you confirm, Pete? Notable, uh, very notable. Uh, NHL uh, franchise, very notable. They have a guy named okay. Sidney Crosby, pretty big. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, so it just I, when when it was the Red Sox and Liverpool, it was kind of like like oh like they got my parents got divorced and my dad remarried and they they have a kid already and it's fucking Liverpool. But he lives like on the other side kinda, of the world. Like it's fine. Like there's not a yeah. lot of overlap there. They can. They can love us yeah. both. Sure. But it was still weird for a little bit. And now it's fine. Uh, but now it kind of just feels like. I, like and they're I not done, by the way. Like LeBron wants to own a fucking NBA team. They've been talking about expanding into the NBA. Like th- their portfolio is only going to get bigger. And yeah. so the attention on the Red Sox is I don't I, like it seems like the Red Sox are should be like they're they're like golden pony or whatever you want to call it because like they yeah. print money at Fenway and it allows them to expand into into other areas and stuff too but like yeah what if they don't need to they can just have fucking concerts every summer and like they're going to make that money anyway like yeah it's it's it is a little concerning and they also own the fucking media around here too so they can yep. at, at least like in a in a little bit of a way control what's said about them so here's here's where i land on the whole john henry thing and how much he still cares about the red sox he doesn't (laughs) at the end of the day i still think that as long as john henry is the owner of the boston red sox there'll be a top five payroll in major league baseball i do but where i have concerns in terms of his level of caring like he can write a check sure but where I care about his level of, of, of interest in the team is what you said, Pete. When the Red Sox are just like back-to-back last place teams, will he interject and be like, hey, I don't care what your offseason plans are. David Price is the best starting pitcher on the free agent market. Sign him for, oh, the Cardinals are going to pay him 185. How about 217? How's that sound? Boom, done. Uh, like I just think that uh, that's where I feel like he might veer off is interjecting into the plans and be like, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to try and like build this team, like the Tampa Bay Rays, well, fuck you. Here's spend $300 million on this guy. You know, like I I don't know if we're going to see more of that. I also don't think you want uh, an an ownership group that like either cuts corners or like tries to, to, do things differently and when that doesn't work out you try to course correct and then you give the money to the wrong guy as sort of like a saving face sort of deal like Like pablo pablo right like you want you want to be consistent you want to give money to the guys that either came up through your system and like have proved that they can do it here and they already have like that grace here 
or you want to give it to guys that you're most confident will be able to do it here, like exports, and you bring them in because you're most confident. Like you don't want to just throw money at a guy because he is the best available in an uh, a time of desperate need. Like that is when you can get fucking burned. So like I think Pat. there needs to be more consistency in the approach from the ownership group. And we haven't seen that. No. But sometimes their frantic spending has worked. Sometimes it's backfired. A lot of times it's backfired. Call Crawford backfired. Uh like Hanley and Pablo backfired. But Pat, let me ask you this. Put yourself I know that you guys are close personal friends. Put yourself in the position of Xander Bogarts right now. I know that he said that he wants to stay here. He wants to continue to play here. He wants to build a legacy here. Hearing his comments after the Christian Vasquez trade and now having gotten multiple insulting offers from the Red Sox to stay here. If you were him, what would your interest level be in wanting to stay here knowing kind of seeing the writing on the wall like knowing what the like you're you it's almost like if he if he takes a five-year deal you're kind of signing up for half of that being like a rebuild yeah like would, how much how much does the legacy matter at that point a ton uh, the, this is so you get to these stages in, in as a professional baseball player right so you have the minor league stage where you're just kind of a nobody but you're trying to become a prospect you get into the big leagues and you're a rookie that's the sticking stage all you want to do is do anything in your, in your fucking power to stay in the big leagues once you get past that you start getting to the Rafael Devers where obviously Devers is a great version of this stage but you get to the stage where you're now you're trying to get your to your first free agent deal you get to arbitration first free agent deal after that portion, it's all legacy. You want a big contract and you want legacy. That's what you want. Sanders made enough money where, and Sanders seems like the type of guy where he, he certainly wants to get paid what he's worth, but it's mm-hmm. it, the it's not all about hey you know where I thought Mookie was going to the highest bidder no matter what. Um, I think or like Robinson Cano, I, that was the same thing that, that uh, Boris Corp told me back in those days when when Cano was was moving. He's like whoever gives him the most money is where he's fucking going. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that is what Xander will do, but I, it's a great point. It's a great question, Jared, because you know if I'm Xander Bogarts right now, I've hired Scott Boris, which means I'm serious about my career. I'm not going to just have some schmo go in there and negotiate for me. Um, and I know exactly what Scott's telling him. Scott's, you know, listen, yeah, listen, they're going to they're giving you shit offer so far. I know what you can get on the free agent market, and then on top of that, you got to consider. You know, you don't know. It's not like you said we have these bunch of great young up and coming guys. Who the fuck knows what moves they're going to make in the next couple of years to make this team a contender? Um, and do you do you want to do that? Do you you know uh, you know the, the you know, our rivals down the Bronx seem to need a fucking shortstop? I bet you they might become knocking for with a lot of money. You know, do you want to go win a couple World Series? Do you want to have that opportunity to play in year in and year out? At a high level, or do you want the Red Sox, who seemingly want to become the Tampa Bay Rays, um, and who knows how long that'll take? Like, and what something you guys talked about as far as John Henry's concerned, on a much slower, smaller scale, it's something that I do. You need though, and this is where this is why you pin a lot on Heim, is like I rely solely on my manager at every restaurant location I have. So when they come to me and they tell me we need this, this, and this. I might say, well, no, fuck off for that. But like, I'm relying on their advice to me that this is what I need because I have to worry about all of them. 
So I can't worry about the logistics of each one. Obviously, John Henry talking big deals, all that stuff. He's obviously very heavily involved in that. But when you're talking about these small pieces that he's adding, these these Steve Pierce guy, you know, type guys, you, you rely on on Heim, and the moves are just not panning out the way we need them to pan out right now. And in in my world, when I when that things start happening and I start trending in the wrong direction, you know, it starts to be thought of well, maybe I need to move on from this particular manager. Yeah, uh, and like, so- and we know that John Henry is not like a Red Sox fan. We know that he's a business guy. He's always been that way. But where there hasn't been an issue in the past is that he has typically delegated to big market guys, and the big market guys come to him and say, okay, we need you to write this check to either keep this guy or to go get this big splash. And this time around, and I don't know if it's because they didn't like what happened with Dombrowski and sort of how he gutted them in a big market pursuit of a World Series that they eventually got, which nobody's complaining about. Uh, But then they went with a small market guy in Heim Bloom, and now the mentality seems to be geared towards small market baseball and they're not they're not they're either not like aggressively pursuing these guys that could make them a better baseball team that they should be able to be in on uh it just seems like they're delegating to either the wrong guy or the mentality is is the wrong approach the the thing that i'm concerned about i want jared's opinion on this because again he's he's he can talk minor league baseball better than i can okay is this what year is this for heim four uh, he came in and for uh, twenty and twenty, like end of nineteen before twenty, end of nineteen. So it's still about two and change. Nothing. We're not mm-hmm. that far along yet. Uh, <laughs> yep. but like, you know, I want to see like it. What what your job is here is to make clever roles in the big leagues, clever moves in the big leagues, and maybe you have a couple big signs just because you happen to be the Boston Red Sox. But then our our farms is supposed to be loaded. We're supposed to we're supposed to have like a very deep farm system, and maybe we do. Again, I can't speak intelligently about our farm system, so I, I won't. It's like on the fringe of top ten. It's so, like I think it might be eleven. Okay, so we're getting there. Getting we're getting there. there. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good though. At least we have that in in our back pocket. But again, when we're talking about a big league baseball team, and again, you're talking about the Boston Red Sox, you just don't. I mean, think about Ben Sherrington. This is something that I, I think I talked about in our old podcast, Jared. Uh, but section ten. Yeah, section ten. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that no one gives Ben Sherrington credit for is that fucking Dave Dombrowski used all of his pieces to get the pieces that he wanted. So Correct. like Ben Ben set the table. Dave just went and did the easy thing of okay, yeah, we got these great guys. You want to give me your give me the guy that's ready now for me. And yeah. and like anyone you know anyone can theoretically do that. Like you know it's. We just but building that farm system and then having the ability to be the Boston Red Sox, people just don't want to wait for that. You know, Ben Sherrington right. had one bad off season where he signed Pablo Sandoval and had some bad moves and like get the fuck out of here, kick rocks, man. Yeah, and, and, and I don't and even rebuilding- know that, that was a Ben Sherrington decision to be honest with you because we know if we I, I can't remember who the fuck I was talking. Uh, maybe Sammy P was I was talking to him the other day about uh, Terry Francona's book. And in Francona's book, he talked about how there was essentially like a board meeting with Tito and like Tom Warner and those guys. And they're like, we're not sexy enough. Like we need like we don't our players like the names aren't big enough. Like we need like people aren't tuning in to watch the Red Sox on TV. We need sexier players. 
And then they went out and signed Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez. So like big, like that's what like that's when like uh, like Tito was like, or it might have been Carl Crawford because Tito has gone after eleven. But they he wrote about how like we had we had become too big was the quote. He was like, you know, we won in '04, we won in '07, and it used to be about the baseball on the field and winning baseball games. And now it's a like Fenway Park is a fucking circus. And the the game is has become a TV show. Like Tom Warner's like you know careers like TV shows. The fucking Cosby Show guy. Uh, so they're like, how do we bring in sexier players to get more people to watch? It just wasn't about the baseball anymore. And to Pat's point about Ben Sherrington, like he was the one that fucking went out and got Yohan Moncada as an international free agent and drafted Michael Cope. Like. He's 100% right. Like any like Dave Dombrowski did the job that any one of us could have done. Gone in there and be like, "Hey, uh you have you have an ace, White Sox? Cool. How about uh some of the top prospects that in our system that are also some of the top prospects in all of baseball? Does that sound good? Cuz I didn't have anything to do with like putting them in this organization. I just know that they're here. You can have them though. If we can have Chris Sale, great, done deal. And like anyone could, and Dave Dombrowski had the relationship with David Price from Detroit when when Dombrowski was in Detroit, David Price was there. They had a great relationship. Makes a couple phone calls. Hey, how do you like Boston? I fucking hate Boston. All right, but like your best offer is one eighty five. How about two seventeen? I fucking love Boston. And then it's done. Like that. That's that was what Dave Dombrowski did. And and I mean, I'm not throwing shade at Dave Dombrowski. Thank you for eighteen. Like that was the best year of my fucking life by far. Not even close. But when you talk about, uh, I see some of the tweets. I miss Dave Dombrowski. We need to be more like when Dombrowski was here. The approach Dombrowski is not sustainable. In. No, it's not. You can't. You can't go out and trade for a Chris Sale every year and sign a David Price every offseason. No, like eventually your farm system is going to be a barren wasteland, and that's what it became by the time Dave Dombrowski was gone, and he was only here for like fucking what, like three, four years. I mean, yeah. just he came yeah, in like yeah, mid fifteen, and like I don't want to poo poo on Heim too much because again, like it's still early, but like and he has replenished the farm system in recent years, and that's that's well and good. But I think what's missing here right now is a lack of direction. Like they, the farm system is being rebuilt. That doesn't have to come at the sacrifice of a team that made the uh, the American League Championship Series last year. And in the span of less than 12 months has become an unmitigated disaster in the laughing stock of baseball. And I think a large part of that is a lack of direction from the front office, even at the trade deadline this year. Like they're not picking a direction to go in. And like, yeah, is it nice to ha- to get a couple players that can actually play a natural position and like know what the fuck that they're doing out there? Yeah, but like it's not going to salvage this season. Pick a direction and stick to it. Like. That's the only thing for me is that like we don't know where this team is going other than like, okay, the farm system's in better shape than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I I will. Like I said, I really do. And again, it's just a guess, but I I have an idea of how much type of what kind of money is involved in being in the playoffs, even if you're just Mm -hmm. a sneak in like this. This trade deadline didn't feel to me like a Heimbloom trade deadline. Uh, he does feel like he he would have more of a direction in with where he wants to go with this club, and mm-hmm. with the new system being you know it just the pieces adding up of it being the first year where the, we have another or I think it's the first year I don't know if we did it last year, but you know where we have another club we have more clubs in the in the playoffs you know and it, the reason that's even on the table is because owners wanted it because there's so much money in in playoff but, baseball for these teams. But correct me if I'm wrong, like they may not even get a playoff game at home. 
It, right. It just, if they were the third, they don't even get one. I, yeah, that's true. But I think there's some... I, I know they get a piece of TV deals. Like they, you don't need a home game in order to make a ton of money. Um, and I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that's why they... I mean, that's why every owner wanted it was just for how much money that comes in with, from the playoff. So this is, that is my guess from a business baseball standpoint of why the trade down went the way the trade deadline did because they didn't want to sell because they, they're still like, okay, we're only two and a half games, three and a half games back from making it in and making this much money. But also we didn't want to buy because this team is what this team is. So it just felt like a, to me, it felt like more of a, let's make a little money on a, on a mediocre team than uh, let's go in a, in a larger direction in the team. And then that also could be to Pete's point, uh, why John, you know, maybe John Henry buying a bunch of other teams it maybe will lack a little bit of direction in this club because he's he's focused on other things. Yeah. And and what's crazy is like I I've been told that the Red Sox were not profitable in 2018. There's no way. There's no way. But that's that's what I was told. But they were not I profitable think, in 2018. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, we were just we want to win a title. We're all in. We're spending the fuck on on this roster, and we just want to win the championship. And we don't care. Yeah, but like they didn't. Their payroll wasn't like a billion dollars. Like that team. No. How many fucking fourteen dollar Bud Lights do they sell on a nightly basis? That team. I don't give a fuck what they say. That team was profitable. Yeah, certainly. So that's. I mean, that that's why uh, during the pandemic. <clears throat> when it was like, oh, tell us where and when, and they don't want to pay us our full salaries, and all the players like, open the books, open the books. You guys don't want to pay us. You guys are, uh, you guys are doing okay, I think. And obviously, Major League Baseball teams are not going to open the books for that reason, because I think if they did, there would be a lot of unhappy players who would have a very strong case to be paid more fairly uh, if the books were open. But yeah, if they if they open the books, I would piss on the books because it yeah. would show that they are a highly profitable team. Uh, yeah. egregiously and 2018 based off a quick google search in top line revenue they brought in 516 million dollars so uh either they weren't running the worst business in america and that's how they lost <laughs> 516 million dollars or mm-hmm. they're lying to you <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so that's where we're at <clears throat> is uh and i already saw tomasi already had the piece yesterday or the day before like we're already talking about Cora and his future with this team. No, fuck that. Cora is not the guy that you want to start shooting arrows at in all of this. Like to Pat's point earlier, where would this team be if Cora wasn't the guy yeah. in that clubhouse trying to keep uh, egos in check and in the room upbeat when Cora is not the guy that he got sent into the season without a first baseman until the first week of August. Uh, he didn't have a right fielder. Uh, Kike went down. You didn't have sale. He came back for a game and a couple of innings. Like walk has gone down. Uh, you missed Avaldi for a month. And I hate, I hate when people are like, you can't use injuries as an excuse. The fuck you can. Like, of course you can. There is, would the Red Sox have won more baseball games if they were healthy? Yeah. So you can point to that as a reason why they didn't play better this year. But you can also point to poor roster construction. That's on Heim. Like you can blame the injuries. But when you don't have a fucking first baseman for the first three, four months of the goddamn year and guys have even said as much. Pitchers have said as much. 
when you have a first baseman over there that's never played first base and you saw what Franchi was, he was an abomination defensively. That makes everyone else uh, walk on eggshells. Like I've, I've got to make a perfect, th- like that's in the back of your head. Hey, I just got a hot shot hit right at me. And now I got to make a perfect throw on top of it because this guy doesn't know what the fuck's going on over there. Like, that's that's the team that was assembled. Like you have Eric Hosmer there, and obviously we've talked about that and the the uh, the negative defensive run saved or whatever whatever defensive metric you want to use. Like he's been below average, but he's a first baseman, and, and guys know that in the infield. So I don't want to hear anything about Alex Cora. If if Alex Cora is not the manager of this baseball team, it's simply because he does not want to be part of a rebuild, which which that happens. Like that does happen where managers just like listen. And I think Alex Cora is on the record as saying, I don't want to be an old manager. Like, I want to do this while I'm young. I want to like, it's a box I want to check. Uh, I want to win championships, but I don't want to like, essentially, I'm putting words in his mouth. I don't want to be Bobby Cox. I don't want to be like knocking on the doorstep of death <laughs> and <laughs> filling out lineup cards. Like, you just don't want to do that. So I get it. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask of a guy that signed up to be the manager of the Boston Red Sox. And now you're going to be sitting in the dugout of a team that we don't, as we sit here right now, no idea what the future of this club is. You ready? Like, I don't know what the fuck comes next after the season. You ready for an analytic right now? Sure. Uh, for the people that, I don't know. I don't even know if there's anybody out there that's blaming Alex Cora or being like, they should go in a different direction than Alex Cora. But like, I've, uh, trust me, I get it. I, I get those tweets. People. Well, here's to a blame stat Cora that you can, this. that you can drop on, on somebody. The, the one season in which Alex Cora didn't coach. And I know they're extenuating circumstances here. The Red Sox had the worst winning percentage in franchise uh, history since 1932. So, mm-hmm. Just and when Alex Cora wasn't went, the coach, it was the, the worst Series. winning percentage of a baseball team since 1932, mm-hmm. Boston. Jake, how do you feel about these Boston Red Sox? I just feel like it's the same thing every week. We just lose two out of three. We lose three out of four. We sit here, we talk about the direction of the franchise. It's like there's nothing else you can even talk about. There's no, we're searching for positives, but it's just like, yeah, we have no real massive prospects coming up. We're, just losing series after series. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. Tough spot to be in. It breaks my heart <clears> to hear but, wow. Jake's spirit broken. I can I literally hear <laughs> yeah. it in his voice. It just breaks my heart. Yeah. yeah. Look what Today you're, was, <laughs> look what you're doing to my boy. They, look how they yeah. massacred my boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, can we talk about Jared you're Durant, drinking, please? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that right after we talk about these dark and stormies, though. Yeah, okay. Because we all know, all know the power of an MVP. They make good teams great. Like Nolan Arenado, three-run bomb today for the St. Louis Cardinals. By the way, the, the curse of Joey Gallo is real. The Yankees have not won a game since they traded Joey Gallo, and the Dodgers have not lost a game. Um, and the folks at Gosling's Rum, they know a little something about MVPs, too. All the most valuable fans and super fans across the world who have made the Gosling's Dark and Stormy one of the most popular cocktails on the planet. That delicious combo of smooth Gosling's Black Seal Rum and spicy Gosling's Stormy Ginger Beer cannot be beat for a summertime cocktail. Visit goslingsrum.com right now to get Gosling's products delivered straight to your doorstep and get $15 off your order of Gosling's Rum, Ginger Beer, or Dark and Stormy cans using the promo code DRAFTKINGS. You must be 21 and over. Uh, please drink responsibly. Um, yeah, the Jaron Duran thing was not good. 
um uh so jaron duran some of this was i mean there was a play earlier in the game a ball and everyone says this going back to little league high school whatever level you want to talk about the most difficult play to make is the ball that's hit right at you that's the one where it's like fuck i don't know if this i gotta come in i don't know if i gotta go back and i mean very rarely do we ever see jackie Bradley. i mean jackie bradley's a tough standard to live up to but I mean, Jackie Bradley didn't give a fuck if it was hit right at him or if it was over here, if it was over there. He was probably going to catch that shit. Uh, but there was a play earlier in the game on Sunday where a ball was hit over the head of Jaron Duran. Uh, bad route. I mean, he, he's he, his routes all year have not been good. Uh, and then what inning was that? Well, was it the eighth? Yeah, I think it was the eighth inning tonight. T- today? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was the eighth yeah. inning. The eighth inning, just an absolute butcher fest i mean one of them it's like all right i'll get you're not the first guy on this team to lose a ball in the lights or the sun this year so i can't come down on duran for losing a ball in the sun uh and then he had that play in the right center gap where it's like he's jumping for the ball and then and then he even made like a diving play but like he didn't have to like like a good center fielder doesn't have to dive for that ball and then after he drops the second one He's yelling at the fans. And like it, it feels like to me, because I was I was defending Duran when he first came up. Uh, because the whole maturity thing was something that got called into question last year. And then this year I was like, you know, I, I feel like he's made some some strides maturity wise. Disagree. And yeah, and then and then you have the uh, the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball quote last week, where it's like you know not a fan of that one. Yeah, believe believe in us or don't. But if you don't, then don't cheer for us. So like when we made, it's like all right, that Red Sox are in last place. Like let's not chirp about yeah. you know don't believe in us. It's not the fans' job place. to blindly support the team and like just be behind you no matter what's going on that's not what being a fan is being a fan you can be you can see what's in front of you and be like oh i'm not a fan of this not a fan of what's what's been going on all season long uh and then you had the incident today where duran makes two bad plays it looks awful especially coming off the inside the park grand slam which after that after that should mention that when speaking to the media, he was like, I'd like to see you out there. Like, talk to me when you can go out there and catch the ball that's in the lights. Right. Which that's that's never going to play at any level. You can't be like, hey, fucking Pete Abe, why don't you get out there and <laughs> yeah. shag flies, you fucking fat curmudgeon. Uh, you can't do that. <clears throat> Which, but- like, at this point, I could go out there, run around and miss a bunch of fucking fly balls. You could pay me to do yeah, that. you could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he handled the media a little bit better this time. Um, but that's not to say that it was like I was I was visibly cringing. I was cringing uh, watching this unfold. Um, I was not. Uh, I, I like I, I was at the bar watching it and I put my head down on my arm. I was like, because when it happened, when it happened the first time, I was like, Jesus Christ. And then when it happened the second time, I was like, oh, no. 
And then I see him yelling at the fans and I, 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 it wasn't a conscious decision. My brain made my head go down into my arm so that I couldn't watch it. I was like, I cannot, I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. Like you can't do that shit. Like you can't do that. And this all stuff that I would say to him, like, I'm not going to pile on the guy. I'm not going to shit on him. Uh, This is all something that I would, if I sat down with him tonight and he was in this room, I would say to his face, you can't do that shit. Like it's almost like it's, it's, it's almost like you're seeing the human version of like responding to trolls on Twitter. You have to, you, you're playing for the Boston Red Sox. You have to be above that. If you fuck up in, in the field multiple times, you got to wear that. Like yeah, you're you only doubling bat- down on embarrassing yourself by doing that. Correct. Correct. If you got a bad tweet, it's like you got all the shit replies that you're don't getting. Tweet you don't tweet through it. He was trying yeah. to tweet. He did the baseball equivalent of tweeting through it. He was trying to tweet through it in center field. <laughs> And thank God for Alex Verdugo, the voice of reason, coming over to Duran and turning him around and being like, hey, it happens. And in, in, uh, he talked after the game and mentioned, you know, Tommy Pham came up to him and was like, hey, like that happened to me in Cincinnati. And like, we'll get to the audio in a second. Um, but I cannot explain. But that's like, also the, why the it bothers cringe. me because I've been like, I've been. Duran has rubbed me the wrong way for a couple months at this point. And, <laughs> uh, and, uh, it bothers me when people come back being like, he's just a, isn't he, he's a young kid. Isn't he allowed to figure it out? Yeah. He's allowed to figure it out. But like using the, he's a young kid thing is fucking bullshit. He's not 17 years old. He's 25 years old. And you know how old Alex Verdugo is who fucking was the voice of reason there. He's 26 old? years old. He's mm. a year older than than Jaron Duran. So don't mm-hmm. give me like that. He's a fucking kid. It's his attitude that makes him seem like a fucking teenager. Yeah, there's there's a point where you like you either have professionalism or you do not. Pat, I know that, uh, you know, your 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 service time probably wasn't something that uh, could make you be the guy to go up to a player in this scenario in the dugout. But let's just say you've got you've got Matt Barnes type service time. Uh, what are you saying to Jaron Duran in that situation if you've been on the Red Sox since 2014 and uh, you see something like that with a young player? Um, well, first off, I'll play this game, but just so people at home know how the actual protocol probably would have been dealt with, and Jared knows this, is I probably would have went to a veteran position player and let them do it, uh, but just mm-hmm. nudged them and said, hey, listen, we should probably talk to this guy. Um, but let's say play the game, for example, let's say that it was me doing it. Honestly, it's all dependent on, on the guy, and, and I don't want to shit on the kid either. Uh, but, uh, you know, Pete has a good point. Like, he's not that young. You know, I was. I think 24 when I got called up uh, and I got I, the things that were said to me coming off that field in the Angels game. They were not <laughs> nice. Uh, and like I, me, just the type of personality, I kind of laughed it off because I was like, well, fuck, that just didn't go my way. Not much I can do about that one. Um, but, you know, you go up to a guy like this and, and 
either he's got an attitude problem. If he does, the way I approach him is is a little bit sterner, and say either you figured the fuck out, or, or we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna find something else. And, and maybe I go to Alex. Maybe I do something like that where it's like, listen, uh, this kid is not the type of guy we want in our clubhouse, and that happens in baseball all the time. Um, if he's a guy we like, and he's just kind of he's snowballing right now. He's made a bunch of errors that I think that you know are kind of snowballing on top of each other, uh, and maybe not. He might not make all of these if he's having a good year right now, and he's not particularly hitting that well, from what I understand as well. So um, I think he's he's snowballing, and then he's making poor decisions. He's like a baby. He's like a little kid when he when instead of instead of accepting that he did wrong, he gets defensive. And immediately goes, and I can tell you, I played at Kaufman. Not that, not that bad of fans. I was gonna I, say that. I was gonna yeah, say like this isn't Yankee out. Stadium where no. like they were probably hurling vile shit at you. Yeah, like this is the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, like they're not. They're pretty. It's probably like, hey, nice catch. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably. <laughs> you know, it's they're pretty nice over there. You know, I've I've certainly dealt with worse, and I'm sure he's heard worse in Boston from his own fans. So like. Again, if I'm approaching this kid, it's all dependent on how how we feel about him in the clubhouse. If, like I said, if we don't like him, I'm gonna be pretty hard on him. If we do like him, I'll be hard on him, but in a, in a, in a positive way, uh, and try to get him to to figure it the fuck out. Because right now he's a a pretty aggressive net negative on this club, uh, and we we are not in a position where these veterans can can worry about their on field play and have to babysit someone. He's just not where we are as a club. Yeah, and like it's it's a situation where like. At worst, it's like a shitty attitude problem and like maybe you can't fix it. And at best, he is a mental bozo. And either way, like you that that needs to be addressed and that needs to be that needs to change. Like you mm-hmm. cannot collapse mentally when things do not go wrong, go right for you. Yes. And it's showing what he showed in center field. It's a great point, Pete. Showing what that he showed in center field tonight or today is a is a clear indicator. If I'm Heim Bloom, let's talk bigger picture here. If I'm Heim Bloom, I'm hoping this kid has a pretty good rest of the next couple months. So maybe I can move him uh, because he he is a he's a talented kid, but he right now profiles at least from an outsider's perspective. Again, not a 162 guy. Hand up. Not going to say that I am, but from an outsider's perspective, he profiles as a guy that can't handle Boston, can't handle a big market. He might go out and yeah. he might go fucking amazing in Kansas City, and then have all the Red Sox fans like fuck you, Heim. You know this guy is so good. Why don't we hold on to him? But it, a lot of it has to do with the media. Some people just can't fucking. When you walk into that clubhouse, and I don't know if you've been there post game, Jared, I can't remember. But when when you're in that clubhouse post game, like these motherfuckers, there there's like ninety of them in the middle of the damn clubhouse. <laughs> it's out. Yeah. You have to walk through them to get to the shower, to get to get to walk upstairs, to get to the damn food. Like these motherfuckers are everywhere in Boston, and they're not sitting there giving you layups at the end of the day. They are trying to get a quote out of you. They are trying to pull something out of you. I mean, even look at Cotillo. Like fucking Alex Cora doesn't <laughs> fucking probably hates the guy. Like he, he, but he's a nice guy. But he's out there trying to get headlines because that's what sells motherfucking newspapers and these things. Mm-hmm. They need this stuff, and that's what Boston's about. And right now, this kid profiles as a guy that absolutely under no circumstances can seemingly handle this. Unless he's batting three thirty and they're blowing, it, they're sucking his dick in the, in the clubhouse after the game. Uh, so, yeah. like, here's my question: answering that, like, because of the way that it was handled after the game, where it's like he is our center fielder, he is going to be here. Is that good or bad for Jaron Duran? Like, is that more going to serve him well or serve him poorly? Yeah, it really depends on the personality. If I had to guess, uh, okay, okay. 
I hope he doesn't listen. I really don't like shitting on people, but it just <laughs> just just to be you know truthful and honest to our fan base, because you have quite a large fan base here, Jared. I don't want to I don't want to mislead the people. In my opinion, mm-hmm. right now, if I had a guess, coming from a guy who's never met the man and never spoken to him, never asked any of the players about him, so I don't know anything. But coming from this perspective, I would imagine he's a bad clubhouse guy. He's a guy that that mopes and a guy that when he su- struggles. He's a net negative as far as the personality in the clubhouse. He's, he's not really bringing a lot to the table. Uh, I could be dead wrong, but that's what he profiles in my view right now. Um, with that being said, if that, ca- if that continues on as in the rest of his personality, I would say it's probably a bad thing. I, I don't, if he's a good kid, like a Mookie Betts, where he might struggle in the outfield early on. He only struggled in Portland he was, you know, when he starts figuring out the outfield. You say he's the right fielder. That's good. That's it, you know, all right. I'm going to be here. I don't have to worry about my fucking job. Uh, for a guy like Jared Durant, the way he's currently acted, it's just going to seemingly probably make him more defensive in situations. Like, no, no, I'm the fucking center fielder. Like, that's what I do. Yeah, I'm not, you, know, you hear Haim, you hear these guys. I'm the center fielder. And that's when you get these reactions sometimes where you say, well, why don't you go out there? Well, listen, fucking Chris is fucking five foot four and he's the least athletic person I've ever <laughs> met in my life. He's not fucking going out there. And there's a reason why he's asking you questions. He's not in damn uniform. But you, if he did a bad fucking job, you can go yell at him for his thing. Like it's it just this defensive attitude is is not a good thing. And like you said, Pete, it probably it's probably going to hurt his attitude more than anything. And we need we need a stronger presence. I don't know who that guy is in this clubhouse, uh, but Xander's a really nice guy. Rafi's not going to say anything yet, not the least that I know of. Um, like, JD's a really nice JD's, guy. Like Petey. Would have his foot up this kid's ass in a heartbeat. I, I, I cannot imagine like him getting away with what he said last week for no. Sunday Night Baseball. Like be I, I would assume that there were guys in the clubhouse that were like, "Bro, what the fuck are you saying?" <laughs> like, yeah. like that was preposterous to me. That yeah, is that a, that came out of his mouth. The way he's performing, um, uh, and PD's got that. Uh, you know, and J- again, Jared knows PD much even better than I do, and I was his damn teammate. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the way he's performing, the way the kind of pull that PD had in that clubhouse, you know, like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been surprised if he got sent down to AAA, at least for a little bit, just to fucking teach him a lesson about whose clubhouse this is. Uh, but this is the you know, that stuff would never, have, you know, when I was I was just my first time up in the big leagues, I uh, was the locker next to me. I don't I didn't say a fucking word. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I stood there, and if he made eye contact with me, I started sweating and hoping he wasn't going to yell at me. <laughs> like, 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 it was just the respect that motherfucker commanded in the locker room, and it's nothing against Xander Bogarts. He is a, an unbelievable human being and like a really good leader as, for by example, but he's not that vocal guy that does some... He's not going to kick your ass. No, you're not walking around on eggshells when Xander's walking around. Like, but when Dustin, like when I was pitching against the Angels, another good example, I was pitching against the Angels, and all of a sudden, timeout was called, and I didn't fucking call it near to Christian Vasquez. And I turn around and Dustin Pedroia is running at me. <laughs> I almost shit myself on the damn mound. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like you said, you just sometimes you need that type of presence in the clubhouse. They don't have it right now, at least not that I know of. Um, I mean, it, it would have been Chris Sale. But like, yeah. what ground does he have to stand on right now when he hasn't contributed all year? It yeah. doesn't. I don't think it fucking matters. Like, it's, in this situation, it, Pete, you're right. It, it, you know, Chris might say something. He's got it seemingly has that kind of personality. Again, I haven't met the gentleman, but he seemingly I don't even know that he's with the team right now. Oh, he's not. I thought I thought well, I that, saw that matters. Yeah, that matters. Certainly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I think Chris Sale is going to be FaceTiming Jaron Duran, being like, yeah. "Excuse me, put Jaron on the phone. Put him on the phone." <laughs> well, he's certainly not traveling with the team, so he's definitely not in Kansas City. Yeah, true. Uh, he might be in Boston doing his rehab, but he's certainly not traveling. That would be ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, Chris Sale certainly fits the bill for that type of guy. But uh, right. yeah, they just don't have that that person right now. It just doesn't feel, like, and that, it's indicative to how the team's playing. Like, does Duran so, have the you, most pressure on him of any guy on the team? down the stretch like i would vote for for him just because like number one you have to prove that you can play consistently and and contribute consistently but you also have to prove now that you're not going to be a guy who is just like a negative force beyond how you're playing yeah i would say yeah i'd say duran probably he's an everyday guy I would say most likely he has he feels a tremendous amount of pressure on him. I will tell you that probably there's a few other guys around, specifically in that bullpen, that feel a lot of weight on their shoulders too, uh, as far as trying to prove themselves. But uh, yeah, I would I would I would vote Duran as well. That has probably the most pressure on him because again, like you said, he's got twofold. He's trying to prove that he's he can play in the big league level. And he's also trying to prove he's not a doucher. Yeah. Did you did you hear the post game audio, Pat? I did not. Okay. So I think we're all in agreement that. After the uh, inside the park grand slam, Duran did not handle that well by saying, why don't you get out there and fucking catch fly balls to like all these old fucks. Uh, And then like the chirping at the face, like it it just doesn't play. Like I told you, I it was cringe. I like when Verdugo did it, it was like they threw trash at him and then he turned around. It was telling them to go fuck themselves. And then he goes and hits a homer. (laughs) And that Duran. was isolated. That was an isolated yes. incident. This is like a yes. third incident or like a third thing that rubs you the wrong way in the course in the span of like two months, if that. Right. Right. And and with this particular incident, I mean, if he didn't catch that ball that he dove for, like if that popped out of his glove, I would have been like, please take him out of the game. Not for like a not for like discipline for his but own for like, health, please. Own mental health. Like I am so uncomfortable watching this. <laughs> like the the ball just finds you like when you're when it's going bad like that the ball just fucking finds you and if he dropped that ball that he laid out for i would have begged alex cora to take him out of the game and be like hey just please just take him out and the the cameras caught it after the inning uh cora instead of being like what the fuck you do like he didn't chew him out uh, you could see him sitting on the bench next to him with like his arm around him being like, hey, you know, it fucking happens. But like, I guess in the moment for the cameras, that's how you handle it. But like, you still have to like sit him down and be like, that shit does not fly. Like not. I'm not just saying with the Red Sox, like you wear that fucking Red Sox jersey. Like this organization doesn't stand for that shit. But in the big leagues, like what team right. in the big leagues would be like, fuck, yeah, dude, you you chew that fan out for chirping you for dropping right. your second fly ball this inning. I also think that sends a wrong uh, message to the other guys in the dugout. If like if you are not having that conversation, if like this, if this kid's throwing a fucking shit fit in center field and you're doing everything right and then you come back to the dugout and the manager's like, it's OK, buddy, like. Like it happens to the best of us. It's, no, it fucking doesn't. <laughs> you don't see everybody else out there trying to fight fans. Oh, you know, no. also, just before you start, I know you, I think you're getting ready to this audio, uh, Jared. Uh, something that I completely just forgotten about. Uh, I can guarantee you who is this guy right now getting on fucking Duran, and it's Alex Cora. Uh, there's no way that Alex Cora is allowing this type of stuff to get. I mean, again, I'm, apparently he handled the media well today. Uh, but uh, I guarantee you there's been conversations uh, with Duran and Alex Cora 
uh, because I, I played for Alex down in, in Caguas, Puerto Rico, and um, it, he doesn't. He's he's a fun guy to be around. He's a business guy, but like you fuck around, and he's gonna make sure you know it, and make sure you know it's not fucking allowed. So uh, Alex certainly uh, probably uh, is helping put put an end to some of this this personality stuff. So here here's a detail that I noticed before I play this clip because if you're listening to this as a podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen it on social media, and Pat, you can probably speak to this as well. Uh, when players do their post-game interviews, they're not still in uniform wearing the hat, their game hat with the eye black on. Jaron Duran is talking to reporters still in his game jersey, still in his game hat with eye black on, which to me says one of two things. Maybe it's both. Uh, after the game, I'm sure he felt really shitty about the plays in the outfield and how he handled the interactions with the fans. And maybe he just fucking sat at his locker just like in disbelief of what happened. And he didn't even shower yet because he was just sitting there like in whatever state of emotion that he was in. Uh, Or maybe both. uh, He was called into the manager's office after the game and he probably had a closed door meeting about that away from the Nesson cameras away from uh, the reporters in the clubhouse and, and maybe away from the entire team. Would, would you take that away from this? Like how, how uncommon really is it that a guy is still going to be in full uni addressing the media after a game? Uh, extremely uncommon. Uh, so you, again, I've had situations like that where if I'm addressing the media in my own uh, uniform, I've done that where, well, not so much that I've done it, but I've done it where I've done so bad in a stretch of time where I have just sat. I I used to go to the weight room uh, and sit in there because I just I just didn't want to hear the "Hey, bud, you'll be fine, man." And like enough, I know I'll be fine. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But like, I just didn't want to deal with it, so I was just away from people. So it, it's uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you're right; it could go either of those directions. If Alex felt it was necessary to get him uh, before, like right when they get in. Uh, certainly a possibility. More likely, he's probably just sulking uh, because uh, a bad thing. I'm sh- I'm sure. I-, I think it's probably that and him kind of just you know s- just feeling like shit rather than AC mm-hmm. talking to him. Because uh, yeah. more more times than not, the conversation about something like that comes either at the hotel because the media is not around. Uh, because even when you know how the media is around Jared, and you know, once they're allowed in there, if yeah. if Jared Rand walk- comes out of that manager's office. That's being written about on Twitter immediately. Correct. Um, so a lot of times that stuff's handled in the hotel. AC will ask him to come to his hotel room uh, and they'll have a conversation. Or the next morning before the media is really in the clubhouse, uh, they'll have a conversation. Or even out in the center field when BP's going on, they'll do stuff yeah. like that. So it's probably more likely just him sulking, but uh, it could go either direction. If Alex thought it was necessary, he might have called him in immediately. I got a question. Yeah, that makes sense. You ever... Uh... You ever just finish out a bad game and, and just like have a nice cry in the clubhouse? Um, I don't ever remember crying. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if there was ever a time I was going to, it was probably, I do remember one particular time. And when I, when I tell you about the weight room, it was AAA in Pawtucket. I had, it was, I think, 2015. I was like, I had lost all control. I had no idea where the ball was going anymore. I was, I was embarrassed to be out there. I went through like a stretch where I was like terrible. And I remember coming in and like BJ, um, for those that probably know him as Brian Johnson, uh, Brian was always my roommate, like my best friend on the team. 
Like I just like put my glove down in my locker. He knew not to fucking talk to me most times because me and him were close. But I just put my glove down. I just walked right into the weight room because no one was in there. I just sat there for like 45 minutes. BJ, I think, came in at when, when he was in street clothes. He's like, you good, man? Like, yeah. And then he just left. And I stayed there for like another two hours. And I just showered by myself. like did everything. I don't remember crying. But uh, it certainly, that was as close as I would have come was that fucking time in 2015. Yeah, I yeah. just I was curious. I'm I'm pro cry. A nice cry <laughs> can help. Cry. A nice cry, cry can help. Oh, it can start. I'm a big crier in movies. Not to get off topic. Hell yeah! <laughs> I, Hell I yeah. tear up. I tear. What's that new movie? You and me the, both, brother. The, the Sandra said that. Yeah. The the what's the new movie? Um, Top Gun. Uh, oh, they, there was a you moment. Top, Top Gun. Gun? Like, hell mo- yeah, brother! Yeah, there was a moment. <laughs> Have you seen it? I, oh, I've seen it like four times. So that movie rocks. Yeah. So it, there, there was towards the end. I don't want to give anything. I don't want to do spoilers. But damn, it was fucking pulling on the old heartstrings. I really, it really got me going there. I'm, I'm Christ, pro man. cry. Let's. <laughs> Um, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I have a mental breakdown every November is because I just bottle everything up <laughs> yeah. until the season's over. That sounds about right. Yeah. Every November, I'm like, I'm going to kill myself, Jared. You, and you need to just schedule like a nice quarterly cry, and I think quarterly? it'll serve you really well. Quarterly, yeah, at least bi-quarterly. Oh my god. Yeah. Every November, it's just like the season ends, and I'm like, oh man, like that thing that happened in March. Fuck. <laughs> God damn, that was fucked up. How'd she do me like that? Oh, and then every November. Yeah, just a quarterly uh, cry, man. Just just like put it in a Google calendar. All right. I'll try and get to that. Um, but the word that Pat used that I don't know how it slipped my mind. He's embarrassed. Like that's that's very embarrassing to have that happen. And I mean, it's it's a it's not the best comparison in the world. But there's definitely like when I worked at Barstool, there was definitely times where like something happened and I was like, I don't want to be here. Mm. Like, get me the fuck out of here. Why are all these people looking at me? There's cameras in my face. And I fucking snapped. Like, you're not thinking clearly. Like, there was a handful of times that like, like, you know, whatever, you're getting your balls busted or like this happens or like people just being assholes. But you have cameras in your face on top of that. It's like, oh, my God, like you feel you feel like the world is laughing at you. Yeah. And the response to that is, is anger and lashing out. And that's exactly what happened with Jaron Duran. So like, I cannot sit here. And I mean, I, and I did that shit when I was like 29. He was fucking, he's 25, like four, 25, whatever. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, dude, grow up. Like I, I, I know the feeling it fucking sucks. So, uh, what I can sort of, criticize was his post game comments uh after the the inside the park grand slam uh and i kind of wanted even i don't care if it was you know hand fed from alex cora or a teammate like here's what you say when they ask you about it say this uh i don't care if it came from somewhere else if it was if it was his own words or whatever but here's how he handled it all of them are really out right right out in the open and then just last second they got in the sun so you know it was it was kind of too late to call for help or anything but i tried my best put my hand up had my glasses on try to get the angle but i'm just right in the middle of the sun kind of uh, got it a little bit from the fans and you gave it back a little bit uh, the doogie came over and talked to you there were you able to calm it down and get back uh refocus quickly or sort of what happened there uh yeah i was just talking to doogie and Dude just came over and just kind of patted me on the back and said, hey, man, don't worry about it. Like, we all have those days. 
what's it mean to have a teammate come to you quickly and sort of help you in that moment? Uh, it means a lot. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, you think that you're alone out there when stuff like that happens, and then you realize that other guys have done it. Like Tommy Pham told me, he's like, I had three sun balls in Cincinnati, and they were just kind of telling me like it happens, even though you think you're the only one that's ever happened to. I mean, he sounds like he's, he's clearly going tears. through it. Like he's yeah. clearly going through it. And like <sighs> yeah. and like at the end of the day, he, there's the a, other thing, too, in this clip. He he does not make eye contact with yeah. the people asking. him. He's like he's looking down like he he he, he, he his body language is that of like a, a small child that got caught doing something. And now he has to like talk to his parents after who are very pissed. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, there is a difference between saying that somebody is acting like an asshole and saying that somebody is an asshole. I think that Jaron Duran is acting like an asshole or has acted like an asshole at several points over the past month or so. That's not to say that he's an asshole. Like it, he has to figure it out. But like and when you were talking about like sometimes that shit just makes you snap. And when you're in those situations, it just feels like a lot of the times it's just one thing after the other. And like everything is going poorly. And given the way that this Red Sox season has been going and the way that things have been going personally for Jaron Duran, I would not blame him if all that shit snowballed and like gets to a point where you do snap or you do reach a breaking point. But as a guy in his position, he needs to figure out how to channel it and he needs to figure out how to contain it. And he hasn't been able to do that yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that there were a lot of things to take from that particular one minute clip. Number one, uh, again, the fact that he was still in uniform, I'm sure like there's a difference between a player that fucks up. And then they'll, you know, snap on a fan and then it's like, yeah, whatever, dude, fuck you. I don't care. Like, it is what it is. Like, that's that wasn't his response. Like, I think, you know, he fucked up. Like, I think he was embarrassed and it's not like it's coming off of the inside the park grand slam. It, he probably did feel that way where it's like, all right, well, what's next? Like, why? Why me? Why does this keep happening? Um, but. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. We're here in New York City. I had to bring the to-go packs with me. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to get better gut health and more energy. And now that I've been on it for a few weeks, I feel great. So what is it? It's the question that I keep getting DMs. Be like, what is, what is AG1? What is it? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. And here's why I love it. It's because I do so many podcasts a week. I watch a billion games a week. I'm exhausted. I'm traveling, waking up, and I take my AG1. Gives me the energy that I need to to talk to these idiots all the time. Be entertaining sometimes on my A game. It's got all my vitamins and minerals that I need in uh, one easy scoop. That's all it is. Now that I'm on the road more, I can use those to-go packs. Jake, you got your to-go packs? Yeah, don't leave home without it. I know. That's right. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, which is true. I think I got a cold brew and it was like six seventy five or something like that. That's two to-go packs. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. Pat, you're looking pretty swole these days. Yeah, I'm fucking jacked. How's your, uh, how's your sleep and recovery doing? Uh, a lot better Could it be now. better? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, there you go. 
I didn't know that you were an AG1 guy. Big, That's awesome. Big AG. I'm a big gut health guy because I have so much. I drink so much. That's true. Yeah, you do. Mm. Really fucks me yeah, you do. Yeah, it really does. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. I talked about it a couple of podcasts ago about the, the taste. Tastes great. I can't, I can't put my finger on what it tastes like. That's probably because I'm not like a big uh, like a vegetable guy. I'd I have rather no drink idea them. either. No clue. Yeah. Like it's got a very unique taste, but it tastes good, but it doesn't taste like anything that I've ever tasted before. It's very hard to explain. If if you're listening to this and you try AG1 and you it it, it tastes like something that you've had before, then let me know what it tastes like because I'm not really sure. But to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune system supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your per- first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash redsox. That is athleticgreens.com slash redsox to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Um, shall we look ahead? Not that it fucking matters anymore. This team stinks. Before we do, Jared, I just want to yeah, sure. talk quickly about my, my take on that Duran interview because I was pretty harsh on the kid. Uh, yeah. I, I will say that after that little soundbite, it did sound like mm-hmm. a guy that um, might uh, not be a douche. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, jury's still out on this, on this guy. I'm not, I'm not saying he is or he's not. Uh, and guys, like Jared said, we've all been there where uh, you fuck up, you're embarrassed, and instead of um, owning up to it, you just kind of get def- in defensive mode because it feels like the world's on you. At the end of the day, you know, there's a, I've read a decent amount of psychology books, and it seems as though the human brain and the human psychology really isn't supposed to be able to handle this type of stuff. And that's why it's so unique uh, that these guys can. And something that uh, I used to blame coaches and stuff like that for fucking me in the head. When in reality, I just I think once I got to a certain level of pressure, I just wasn't built to be able to deal with that type of stuff at that high high of a level. Um, and some guys aren't like that. And who knows? With you know, Jaron might might have it. Just might be going through a tough stretch. But uh, he he just came off less douchey there. So I I give him the benefit of the doubt for the time being. That uh, I, mean, I hope he turns it around. Yeah, I mean he's he's very clearly wearing it. Yeah. Um, and I. I think ultimately he will come out on the other side of this better because it happened. Um, but that can't happen again. Like he's going to fuck up defensively again. Cause at the end of the day, he's, he's not the best defensive center fielder that we've ever seen. Not anything close to it. He's, he's going to work on his game defensively. His routes are bad. His reads are bad. Um, but in terms of how you handle right. that, it's a response, man. Like it's not you can forgive a guy for for fucking up like it happens. And especially it's going to happen if you're not playing your natural position. I don't think anybody's really, really, really crushing him for. Well, I guess I mean, I'm sure there are people there are people that are crushing him for the lack of play. But really, what rubs me the wrong way is the response to the mistakes. Yeah. Yes. Like. Be I- accountable. And I think the easiest one was the inside the park grand slam. It's like, yeah, I fucking I I lost it in the lights. I was pissed that 
I it was it was an embarrassing moment for me. I should have ran after it. Uh, I just I had a moment and it'll never happen again. That's it. Like just I, like this is something I put in my own world is like think about my career and if I had responded to the media after my appearances this way. Like if I if I said like fuck fucking you guys get out there and try to throw a fucking slider to Albert Pools. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like you you fucking did you see that guy? Like, you know, oh, all right, well don't fucking root for me when I'm fucking good, guys. All right. Fuck <laughs> off. Like, I didn't see any accountability and self awareness go a shot. long way. <laughs> self accountability and self awareness go a long fucking way, man. Go they really do. <laughs> yes, they really do. And again, I you know, they weren't really interviewing me after those games anyway, but um yeah, I always was like, I fucking said Chris Sale. It's one of the reasons Chris Sale's so likable. He guy's a fucking lunatic of a human being. And but like when he sucks, he fucking lets you know. Uh, same with Matt Barnes. Uh, you know, Matt Barnes has had a fucking terrible year through injuries and struggling with you know how he's pitching. And but every time he sucks, he's like, "Yep, I fucking sucked." I love that. And it's something you can get on board with because everyone sucks at their job every now and again. Right. Boom. Yep. So I I would venture to guess that that I'm crossing my fingers here. That's the last time that we'll see some sort of immature moment from Duran. That can't happen again. And judging by that reaction after the game, I'm sure that he had him like the misplay was an embarrassment and snapping with the fan was even more embarrassing. Like he was in I, I fucking cringed. Mm-hmm. So I think he knows like, hey, it's already a win that he knows that that was cringy. Like immediately you walk off the field i'm sure uh like he's not even on social media but if he was that's not something that you're checking tonight um oh, you're you probably going to shut off your phone and you're going to try and sleep this one off and and get back at it tomorrow uh but yeah i would venture to guess that that's the last that we're going to see of something to that degree of immaturity from durant Pat seems to disagree about the social media thing. Oh, yeah, dude. When I fucking sucked, I was on that shit like you would believe. <laughs> well, he doesn't have social media. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he might have a burner account. But yeah, dude, like when I, I remember sitting in the hotel room with my parents, my mom was like sulking about how bad I did. And she and like I'm sitting over there scrolling through Twitter, just reading <laughs> some of the meanest things people <laughs> have ever said. <laughs> what was the meanest thing you ever read about yourself on the Internet? Oh no! Uh, just like death threat, not death threats. Like, but like, there I was hope some death you threats. die. Yeah, like die. You. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's. I mean, we could go back through my mentions back in the time. I wish. How is it easy to look that up of like mentions from July second, two thousand sixteen? I think you can do. Yeah, you can like search a specific date or something, and then like yes, keyword like Pat Light or whatever. Oh, hold yeah. on. I would love to. I'll, I'll look it up oh, for man. you. Man. <laughs> this is the segment I didn't know we were going to get, but I'm <laughs> yeah. loving it right now. <laughs> yeah. So what's today? Today's Sunday. Yeah. This is a three. This is a three episode week, by the way. Yeah. We got a one gamer uh, against Baltimore after this two game set. We, thank fucking God we got an off day tomorrow. But we got a three game or a two gamer against the Braves, a one game against the Orioles. <laughs> we do so, uh, a podcast for a one game series. Mm-hmm. Yep. So okay, you know cool. what? We'll we'll save it for the Orioles because we're only gonna have one game to go off of. Uh, on after the Orioles game on what's that Thursday? Yeah. 
the Thursday night into Friday morning podcast. We will read all of your tweets at Pat Light the night that he gave up 17 runs to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim back on what was the date? July 2nd, 2016, baby. <laughs> you should get that date tattooed on you somewhere. <laughs> then whenever everyone asks, you just be like, yeah, that was the day. That was the day that I found God. <laughs> That was the day that I saw Jesus for the first time. Oh, boy, did I see him. <laughs> boy, did I see him. Oh, boy. Um, interesting. Yeah. All right. Before we get to the uh, stop and chop look ahead, I just want to make sure that we're all drinking Blue Moons tonight. That's something that's going to happen. Yes. Oh, definitely. Correct. Yeah. We're going to be drinking some Blue Moons. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be drinking some Blue Moons because I'm going to the Mets game, taking a little BP on the field before the game, Jake. Yeah, gonna need some blue moves after that. What about during? I think you could swing that. Yeah, why not? I would like Pat. You ever, uh, you ever drank a a beer before a game? Uh, no. That's a yes. No, I don't think I have. I've had a scotch in the bullpen though. Okay. Do you wish that you could go back and drink a blue moon before a game? I think I would have played a lot better if it was just the blue moon, not the scotch. So I think so. Yeah, because baseball and beer go hand in hand and Blue Moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From the first pitch to extra innings, a Blue Moon guarantees a one of a kind beer experience every time. Pat Light's drinking Blue Moons before the game. I'm going to be drinking some Blue Moons tomorrow at City Field. Pete, what was your favorite Blue Moon experience? Uh, the next one. Oh, shit. I love that. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian White is one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with that same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. That last part always fucks with me every single time. Uh, all right. It is the Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. Uh, we got two games. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine, if you don't mind. I'm going to combine. Uh, or should I save? I should, should I save the? Or- yeah, I, I probably. Yeah, just do the Braves. Yeah. Because we're doing one after, we'll, the, yeah. We'll have a look ahead on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is just just the Braves. Um, okay, on Tuesday on TBS. Why is the game on TBS? Braves. Eh. Home cooking. Rich Hill versus Charlie Morton, and then Nick Pavetta versus Kyle Wright. Um. Uh, okay, Charlie Morton. I like Charlie Morton. I liked him a lot when he was in Tampa too. Five and five with a four oh nine ERA, a one twenty one WHIP, ten point three strikeouts per nine. 
Uh, 21 starts in the year, 116 innings. It's consistent. We love a consistent Chuck. Uh, he fucking he's drilled more hitters than anyone else in Major League Baseball this year. 14. Um, home runs, a little bit of an issue. His uh, home runs per nine innings is his worst mark since 2010. Uh, he's thrown at least five innings in every start since May 25th. He's had 10 plus strikeouts in three starts this year and six starts of at least eight strikeouts. Uh, he's much better at home than he is on the road. And this game is on the road. He has 10 starts on the road, two and four with a 482 and a 129 whip with a 9.5 strikeouts burning uh, uh, per nine. Um, he's 38 years old and he's still averaging 95 miles an hour with his fastball. So that's pretty good. I didn't realize he was that old. I like Charlie Morton. I wish he was on the Red Sox at some point. Uh, the Braves somehow are 11 and 20 when he starts and one and three in his last four. Red Sox hitters, 288 with a 336 on base, a 403 slug. Bogey, 11 for 32. Three doubles, a homer, 895 OPS. And then Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer, who made his debut with the Boston Red Sox in this series against Kansas City Royals, got 15 fucking standing ovations. That was bananas. I get get it. He won you a World Series six years ago. How? Seven years ago? Seven years ago. The first one was great. Um, I don't know why I'm being salty about the Royals giving him a standing ovation. It was fine. Four for 10, two doubles, a homer, and four strikeouts. A 1355 OPS for Hosmer against Chuck Morton. Uh, Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright, 13 and five, a 320 ERA. Uh, He's having a good year. Coming into 2022, Wright had 70 innings in his career across four years and had a 656 ERA. Uh, He's having a breakout season. But... He got his shit pushed in his last time out, which was against the Mets, who are red hot. They just uh, took, what, four out of five against the Braves? Is that right? Four out of five against the Braves. Six innings, seven hits, six earned runs, a walk, four strikeouts, and four homers. Four homers against the Mets. It was tied for the most runs he's allowed this year. Uh, The second fewest strikeouts. Um, Yeah, that's bad. A lot of homers. He's allowed four-plus earned runs in four of 21 starts. Uh, he's another guy that's not very good on the road or as good. He's not as good on the road. Eight starts on the road, four and three at 349, which is still pretty good. Um, in the second half, he's not been great. Three starts in the second half. He's two and one with a 482, but that's obviously ballooned because of the uh, that start against the Mets. His four seam fucking sucks. 95.2 miles an hour, but it's a 312 batting average against a four. A 548 slug and a 420 weighted on base. He did pitch against the Red Sox earlier this year. Uh, Four and two thirds, seven hits, six earned runs. That was bad. His worst start of the season. We played the fucking Braves this year. Did they come to Fenway? I mean, no. They They can't be at Fenway, right? They wouldn't come twice in a year. No. Did they already come? When the fuck? We played the Braves? Why do I not remember that? I don't either. That's not super surprising, though. <laughs> Let's see. That would have been on May 10th. On May 10th. Yeah. <laughs> on May 10th, four and two thirds, seven hits, six earned runs, four walks. Why don't I remember playing the fucking Braves this year? Two games. Sp- Two game series in Atlanta earlier this year in May 10th and 11th, and they split. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, why are we playing the Braves? Don't we usually just pick a... Oh, they walked us off. Yeah, off Brazier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, they walked us off. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that totally slipped my mind until I remembered that that finish. Um, yeah. Okay, the Braves are 15 and 6 when he pitches. They lost his last outing, but won his previous seven. Uh, Devers, two for four, double homer. JD, 0 for 7 with three strikeouts. Okay. Um, what do we think, Peter? Oh, God. Fuck, man. <laughs> I'm going to say they I'm going to say they win one. Sox win one. Split. Yeah. I'm going to go to one of those games. Why? Because I got to chip away at it. Like <laughs> if I if I get hit by 20 paintballs from five feet away, like I may like start internally bleeding and die. Like I think I cut what it down were, to like 10. What was the. Uh... What was the bet again? As many games as I fall short of 30 is how many paintballs I have to take from like 10 feet away, five or 10 feet away. Oh, so, oh, okay. So for every game that you go to, you take one, take one paintball, paintball away. out of the hopper. Yeah. I'm going to try to get how to many 20, have you been I to? think. I've been to 10. <laughs> like, I got to start so, doing some damage here. Oof. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to That's... at least one Braves game <laughs> and then I'm going to, I'm going to two games this weekend against the Yankees. <laughs> Dude, please. I don't. Who's shooting you? Is it? It's got to be you, I think. I don't. I, if you don't. I get, mean, the, in the entire if, podcast can take turns if they want to. Yeah, I'd prefer yeah to I don't. I'll, I'll feel, I can't. I can't shoot you 15 times, dude. Like, I've gotten to. shot with a paintball before. It fucking hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what we should do? At the end of the season, I think we should do a team bonding experience. We'll go to like an indoor paintball place. So like at the end of the day, like we'll all get shot. But like we're going to shoot Pete <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. From yeah. Point blank. That's fair. And also yeah, we, like, we'll have like like professionals to be like, yo, yo you can't do that. <laughs> like <laughs> have somebody there. So have an adult in the room to say like, OK, this will not kill him. Have at it. Well, I yeah, I think. We would film it. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, listen. Um, yeah, we're yeah, doing this for content. I'm not, I'm not taking 20 paintball shots if there's no content be made, be right. made out of it. Yeah, like we'll go to like a paintball place and be like, listen, here's the deal. Like Pete was supposed to go to 30 games. He only went to 12. So I'm doing more him. than 12. I'm going to three games this week. Three games this week. You're going to all three? No, no. I'm I'm going to one of the uh, one of the Braves and then two mm-hmm. against the Yankees this weekend. Okay. I think I'm going to be there on Friday. Yeah. Or I know I'm going to be there on Friday. Can I go with you on Friday? So, yeah. Cool. Because I'm going on Saturday on my own account. With who? Uh, one of my friends is getting married. And uh, his, uh, his fee- wife-to-be, uh-huh. uh, big big uh, Red Sox family, but his family is Yankees fans. So got like it. as like a wedding thing they're doing, they got like a box at Fenway. I mean... I'm already predicting a sweep this weekend for the Red Sox. I love that. Pat, are you coming to Fenway this weekend? Because, I mean, they did pretty decent last time the Yankees visited Fenway. We had a good time, too. 
We did. Don't. I oh don't. yeah, you should come this weekend. You should come, Pat. I can't, unfortunately. Pat, you should come. I'd love to. I'd love to. What do you What do you got going on? Uh, I have uh, some family uh, obligations. T- mm-hmm. Tell them to come too. <laughs> yeah, tell them to come. I'll get I'll get your whole family a suite. Sounds lovely. Yeah, you should come. Mm. What do you think? Probably not gonna happen. <laughs> ah, come on. Nah. I'll get you BP passes. Yeah. I'll get you, yeah, I'll get you down on the field. Or been there. You ever been down on the field yeah. before? Yeah, been there a few times. Not yeah. enjoyable. For you. Yeah. <laughs> Your family might love it though. Yeah, they've been down there too. Yeah, okay. All right, so it's a maybe. Sure. Okay. All right. Pat's Pat's in for this weekend. <laughs> Uh, what time's the game on Saturday? Is it a is it a night game? I might go Saturday too if it's like a seven o'clock game. I do like eleven thirty five in the morning so people don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so people don't watch it. Saturday's game is a seven fifteen start. Oh Jesus! Oh okay, Jake. You want to come with me on Saturday? I'm down to go Saturday. Right, they Jake's also have with me on. They Saturday. also have Sunday night baseball. Yeah, I just saw that. His oh, Sunday night God. baseball against oh, the Yankees. Oh, that's the fucking night that I'm throwing out the first pitch at Fenway. Yeah. You're throwing out the first pitch at Fenway against uh, the Yankees on a Sunday yeah. night baseball. Sunday night baseball, yeah. Why? That is fucking preposterous. Why? Like, uh, like that's that's like the prime time of all prime time first pitches. Doesn't matter how shitty time. the team is. Like I am prime time. I mean, apparently, I hate fucking blowing <laughs> your head up, but like, holy fuck, that is the prime time of first pitches. They were like. Hey, we need to get it going. How do we? How do we fire up the boys? Bring in Jared to throw out the first. Like that pitch might be a Sox bigger Yankee pitch than Pat pitch. Light has ever thrown. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I might, I might have, I might have Ben Intendi catch it. I'm the first ever Yankee to catch a first pitch at Fenway Park. That would cause some. That would cause some problems. You think so? Oh yeah. I don't think so. Um. Well, yeah, I'm throwing out the first pitch Sunday night baseball, dude. Is there like a particular reason? Uh just you know, being the fucking man, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> okay. They were like, we need to, we need to fire up the boys. See, this is why I didn't want to yeah. say anything. Yeah, this is. Well, okay. hey, let's move I'm just on. saying. Let's move on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're gonna fire up the boys, how do you do it? You're definitely not gonna have fucking what's her name, Sydney Swanson or whatever the fuck. Sydney Sweeney. Listen, yeah. pal. Listen, pal. You might be a big deal, but you're not as big as those. Yeah, the, she's got some. Did you watch that movie? I haven't yet. Oh, Pete, come on, dude. I know. Did you watch it, Jake? No. Pat? I don't even know what movie you're talking about. The Voyeurs? Mm-mm. Oh, I feel my like, God. I feel like because the Red Sox are so bad right now that we should have like homework assignments for every episode to like bring yeah. into the next episode. And Dude. watching voyeurs might be like our homework for a next episode. You see those ham hocks for a chunk of time. It is not a brief, hey, how you doing? It is a scene. Yeah, I mean, I've watched Euphoria, too. That's how I know her from. And like by season two of Euphoria, they're like, OK, we need this girl's boobs on screen uh, like 40 percent of the show. What did you say the show's called? Euphoria. <laughs> okay. 
You both are on your phones right now typing in euphoria. Dad <laughs> 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 literally Googling. <laughs> Pat's just, love it. Pat's just I was like, making a joke and Pat immediately turns his phone around <laughs> and just pictures of Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Pats is gonna like go to like mrskin.com. He's like, just show me all this. I'm not trying to watch the whole show. Mm. Um, well. Uh oh, she threw out the first right. pitch already. Oh, I that's why Yes, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is they got absolutely fucking hammered by the the Blue Jays. I guess that was now. the that was the game that she threw out the first pitch. Uh-huh. I understand now. Just, yeah. just, she did not deserve that at all. No, no, she deserves better. Honestly, like, Jared, if you were a real fucking gentleman and a man uh-huh. of just any sort of integrity, you would surrender mm-hmm. your spot to throw out the first pitch and allow Sydney Sweeney to have a redo at Fenway and get her redemption and see a game that she deserves to see. I'll text her. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll reach out. I mean, the last time that I the last time that I tweeted at her, I got roasted in the replies. Everyone was like, "She don't know you, little bro." <laughs> well, prove them wrong. Mm. Sounds like a challenge. Sydney Sweeney, come on the podcast. All right, I'll ask her. Um. All right. Pat, I'm excited. Uh, to see oh, wait, weekend. we didn't finish our predictions. Jake, fucking, what's your prediction? Uh, they'll sweep. <laughs> Jake is a broken man. You said they'll, uh, but you didn't specify they. Yeah, who? who's they? Might have been intentional. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been intentional. What are you doing tonight, Jake? You going to watch the Voyeurs? Could pop out on for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, what's your prediction? They got the Red Sox sweeping. Oh, okay. And the, I want to give a reason. The reason I have the Red Sox sweeping is because uh, whatever you think this team's going to do, they're going to do the exact fucking opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we thought they were going to get crushed by the Astros. We win that series. We thought we'd crush the Royals. <laughs> we get crushed. So listen, we're going to beat the Braves. We're going we're to sweep. We're going to help the Mets out because we're team players in Boston. And even though we might not make the World Series, we want to make sure we set up this Mets team to fucking go all the way. Are we all, are we all in on the Mets like as like Red Sox fans? Because I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like the Mets, maybe it's a mutual hatred of the Yankees, mm-hmm. but like yeah. Red Sox and Mets fans are kind of like, yeah, we see Same you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with getting behind the Mets. I think if the Mets are in a Subway World Series... I think we we have the podcast oh, come down, and we will have uh we'll we'll sit we'll sit we'll get some great seats because of Jake, and we'll sit behind home plate, uh at City Field and at Yankee Stadium and just be fucking locked in for the Mets. Yeah, if if, if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, which <laughs> uh can we like rebrand as a Mets podcast for like a month? Very easy. We don't have a name for the podcast. We could do whatever. We That's want. true. We won't even have to change the name. <laughs> no, we right. do whatever we want. We'll just have a name. <laughs> so we've decided on a name. It's the number one Mets podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the most listened to Red Sox podcast in the world. It'd be a great name. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Sure. 
Are you doing a fucking scratch yeah, what the off fuck right is now, going on? Oh, you didn't hear that? Yeah, yeah. I think that, I, I honestly think that your mic has not been plugged in the entire episode. It it hasn't because no, he's recording locally. Yeah, I'm doing. Okay, it. I, okay, I'm recording okay. on Audacity with, okay. the, with the right mic. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's why you can hear that because I was like, this mic shouldn't pick that up. Yeah, I was just fucking yeah. around. Yeah, it's it's John. We're dicks. we're hearing what's coming through your laptop. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. I could change that, but we'll do that for next time. Right? That's fine. That's fine. I love it. <laughs> we love it. Uh, no one asked, but I I got a split. Okay. All right. We'll and we'll later. be back uh, on Wednesday night to talk about this two game series and preview the one game series against the Orioles. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> That's gonna be a good pod. I mean, I think the the Thursday night pod's gonna be better. What recapping the one game? <laughs> yes. We're just gonna have one game. I mean. By the way, we didn't really talk about any of the games. We played a four-game series. We didn't talk about any of them. Yeah, we don't need to talk about them. Yeah, we didn't. Need to, we don't talk about we need to talk about the X's and O's. Of those <laughs> yeah, I don't think the X's and O's are relevant. Although I will, yeah, as no. far as X's in the podcast, since yeah. uh, uh, I will be here for all episodes. I'm actually moving a dinner on Thursday that I have planned, a business meeting, oh, solely to make this podcast. Uh, that's amazing. But uh, Pete, I'm going to need you to change your name next time to Pete B. Oh, that's right. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. This, is, this is my... Uh, first time or second time in riverside so i, I will change that next time Appreciate sorry that. that's X that's on knows. me <laughs> sorry that's on sorry me. like i said accountability and self-awareness goes yeah. a long way yeah, really and I, hand up that's on me yeah you didn't yell Listen, back i'm just me. saying i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to give you guys more work or, or things to do oh no you're both very busy with um your real jobs i'm not i'm, but I'm I, done now <laughs> like so i i don't i don't know what you guys were talking about what you would talk about but a spinoff podcast called Pete B and Pat L, I think, would do really well. I don't know what the fuck you guys. What would you guys talk about? I don't. I don't know. I think that would be the allure of it is that we just turn on turn on the mics and go. <laughs> we'd find disgusting. we'd find a way. So I don't. Uh, I, like I guess I kind of listen to pot. Like I'll I'll still listen to Kirk Minahan show, and I'll listen to KFC Radio here and there. Um, I listen to Dave show. But this would be a podcast that, like, when like, I would subscribe and get notifications, and when it dropped, like, I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Like, a new drop P-P-Pat everything. Need, show. To, need to go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, like, I think you could get away with doing like a 35, 40 minute podcast, and just like once a week or whenever you guys wanted to do it. Jar- Jared's gonna get a notification on his phone that PP and Patel dropped their first episode. It's six and a half hours long. <laughs> 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 well, the chances of that happening would be pretty pretty significant because I feel like we'd both be very drunk if oh, we were yeah. to do a podcast. Like, yeah, and we would be like, "Oh shit, we've been podcasting for four and a half hours, and like we're both blacked out." All right, see everybody. Yeah, here you go, Jake. <laughs> like, you should do. It. You should do it. Would you? Would you guys? Will you guys agree to a pilot? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it would need to be in person. I think. Yeah, be in person. I, because, think, I think it's great for off season too. Yeah. Either okay. that or like we start a Patreon for this show and like that that those are the bonus episodes. Yeah, you guys do whatever you want. I just want to listen. I just want to hear you guys talk to each other. It's more of a social experiment than anything. Yes. Yeah. It's more of a social experiment than a podcast. Yeah. I put it this way. If you guys did the Pete B Pat L show, I will promise to help promote it i will yeah. i'll retweet it i'll put it on my instagram i'll make sure that 
that people know that it's out there. Appreciate that, Jared. I love team that. player. I'm a team player. It's it's only because I'm trying to give you every incentive to do it because I want like I feel like I don't have a podcast that's my own. Like with Kirk's show, I was on it, so it's weird. Uh like with Dave's show, he talks about me every episode, so it's weird. Um, and then with Kevin's show, like I've been on it too. It's weird. Like I, I just I need a show that's out here. I, I'll never come on as a guest. Yeah, we would never have I you just on. want you thank you. Yeah. I just want you guys to talk. And I want to see where it goes. I want to look at the description of every episode and be like, they're talking about what? <laughs> and then tune in. Be a great That's show. what I want. Be a fucking awesome show. I'm in. Same. Okay. First right, episode recording this weekend when Pat's here with his family. <laughs> Definitely. Jake's going to have a separate group chat for me and Pete. For the, to record this thing, and both of us would be like, "Nope, can't do it tonight." <laughs> Sent the link, and me and Patch, ah, can we push it back like an hour? And then an hour comes. What about another hour? And we push it to September. September is wide open for me right now. All right, PP and Pat L show. It has to be called that, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um. All right. That's uh, that's our show today, and uh, we'll be back on what Thursday morning? Thursday morning, yeah, Thursday morning. Red Sox fans, enjoy your off day. You need it, and we'll see you Thursday. Buenas noches, amigos. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.